Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. Holidays are stressful, and as a result, cats, perhaps the most sensitive members of any household, can become overstimulated and aggressive. They can revert to negative habits and interact poorly with holiday visitors and even destroy heirloom decorations. On today's show, we'll explore some of the things that bring out the worst holiday behaviors in humans and their pets and see if there are ways to anticipate and ease those challenges so that the season is truly one of peace and goodwill for all. Joining us again for a segment in Cat Behavioral Techniques are Drs. Deborah Horowitz and Carlos Siracusa. Their book, Decoding Your Cat, The Ultimate Experts Explain Common Cat Behaviors and Reveal How to Prevent or Change Unwanted Unwanted Ones is published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Be a wonderful holiday gift for anyone who has a cat. Welcome back to our show. Oh, thank you for having me. Nice to be back. And uh, we're sorry that uh, the third contributor to the book, Megan E. Heron, couldn't make it today. I understand she'd been called away for some emergency surgery. <laughs> well, not on herself. On the animals she works with. Yes, so obviously. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, we invite our listeners to join the, the conversation. I'm going to give out that phone number, 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. When you discuss a program that aims to change some kind of behavior in your book, the key seems to be a controlled environment and, and very consistent reinforcement. Is that even possible during uh, a, a brief time as fraught as these holidays, especially during a time of pandemic? Well, so many people are at home nowadays. Uh, the environment has changed, but if they're not going into work every day or perhaps in, during break their kids are home, they have some more control in keeping the environment calm. At the very least, what they can do is create a calm space for their cat so that they may have a room in the house, a bedroom might be best, where company's not going to be there, there's going to be no tree, there's going to be no decoration. And that could be a spot, especially for a shy cat, where we put all the other things that they need, their litter box, a bed, their food and water bowls, uh, far away from their litter box, maybe a a perching area where they can look out a window where things are going to be quieter than normal. Uh, and if they haven't, they aren't having any company, that's, that might be enough. Mm -hmm. It's a place that the cat can retreat and it's going to be on its own by itself and things will be calmer and quieter. Do cats even notice that the, uh, the people in the household are staying home a lot more now than they have in past years? Oh. Yes, they definitely are, and this is something uh, that I actually was thinking, uh, that what is going to be different this Christmas is that uh, uh, our uh, cats, our animals in general, are already coming from a different period, right? Uh, like yeah. our schedule has been different. Um, also, the distribution of spaces in the house has been different. Probably we have taken some of the quiet spaces, like it happened with me personally. I took <laughs> the quiet space of my cats, <laughs> which is supposed to be my office, but I was not using it before. Uh, but now I, I am almost every day I'm home. So this is already something 
uh, that has changed. So it would be a change uh, uh, acting on an, uh, another change. So yeah, as as Debbie said, people should be very mindful of this and making sure that the safe uh, space of the cat uh, is still available. And if the old one is not available, people should make uh, sure that there is a new space where the cat feel comfortable and protected and quiet, where where uh, they can retreat. Are cats that misbehave during this period likely to be reacting to the stress behavior of their owners? Depends what the misbehavior is. I think uh -huh. it is very difficult for some cats to not want to seek out the tree. And mm -hmm. they're climbers, so they like to be up high, and this is a new high space I can get to. So that is really an enticement for them. Not so much that they're, uh, they may not be stressed by it, but it may be that they're excited, like, oh, look at this. I can climb it, and there's shiny things on it, and I can hit them around, and they move. So it would be a source of entertainment for them that they might like. could be dangerous, depending on what's on the tree, and certainly not to the liking of the human. Uh, and in that case, it's probably best, again, to try to find a space for the cat for some time out of the day where they have other activities that they can play with. You might actually want to increase the amount of playtime or activity toys or food dispensing toys to keep them satiated. Everybody wants a certain amount of mental stimulation every day, and cats are no different. And the tree and the presents and the ribbons, oh, my goodness, there's so much there that can And the balls. And I, I, put, on, I put birds on my tree as well. So right. all sorts of things that might entice a cat to want to play with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't want to yell at them and you don't want to punish uh -huh. them. What you want to do is, number one, perhaps if you put them up higher, many cats are reasonable. They see, well, those branches aren't going to hold me. I don't want to climb under there to climb up the tree. If things are out of my reach, I might leave them alone. But younger cats are going to be very, very curious, and cats are curious. So you might think about, Now's the time to pull out some new toys, some new Christmas gifts for a kitty that are enticing and exciting on their own so that they will put their energy somewhere else. And what kinds of gifts uh, do you suggest for uh, a cat at this time of year? Well, cats. Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about one cat or a group of cats, two, three. Uh, it, it, it does matter. It is. It's um uh, first of all, it matters for what I've been, what we've been saying until now, which is the uh, distribution of quiet spaces. Uh, so there are some cats that do well together, and uh, and they can use the same quiet space. Uh, but keep in mind that the majority of cats they actually tend to spend most of the time uh, by themselves, even even when they like the other cat. So it might be. Um, like thoughtful uh, uh, from our parts to to create, uh, for example, if you have two cats, at least uh, two quiet spaces, so the cats can take uh, each one his own space if they want, or they might just decide to stay together. But it has to be left up to them. And same thing in uh, uh, the distribution of resources, the presents, the gifts that we can give to to, to cats. Uh, there are uh, toys that are good uh, for cats that like to play together. 
uh, and uh, for example, interactive toys, uh, I don't know, in which there is a little mouse that comes out at different sides of, uh, of a little box. And this might be useful for two cats because they can play together uh, at a close distance without having any conflict. Uh, but there are cats that they might just like their own things. And uh, in this case, for example, we should uh, uh, make sure that each one has um, is, uh, his own toys, his own enrichment stuff. And same thing with the distribution of all other resources. Uh, food, like there should be uh, more feeding stations, water, litter boxes. Uh, cats should be given the possibility to have their own things if they want, and then they can decide if they want to share or not. So, yeah, it depends on the environment, if it's a, if it's a cat that lives alone or if there are other cats, no. uh, like there are toys that are different. And how, how um, good is a cat's memory? Would a cat remember that there were, let's say, a, a four or five-year-old cat, would it remember that there were previous Christmases and uh, similar things happened? Or is each day's experience a new one? Oh, no, they have memories. They definitely have memory of what's happened before. They have very good memory of spaces they've been to before. Hmm. Uh, and it, if they've seen a tree before, they remember that it's there. If it's a different tree, they might investigate it. Um, if they've never seen one, they might be really surprised. It could be some cat that instead of finding it exciting, is going to go under the bed for three days. What's this <laughs> tree doing, doing in my house? So everything has a possibility of one way or the other. One initial thing that people can do is a lot of people are ordering stuff and boxes. Many cats like boxes. And a box that has different ways in and out could be a fun toy for two cats. One could be inside, you know, king mm -hmm. of the mountain, one inside, one outside. Uh, that gives them a place to hide. Uh, for cats that like to hide, sometimes they don't want to be seen or anywhere near anything. Sometimes they just want to watch without being seen. So there are going to be cats that like to watch you do your stuff and undo your presence from the safety of their box. And another thing that I've been doing at my house, I'm using my office more now. My cats seem to find my computer the perfect warm space to sleep, which makes it hard to type. But I have a file cabinet in there, and I took a blanket, a nice fluffy blanket, put, covered the top of my file cabinet. And one cat, when she tries to get on my computer, I pick her up put her on her blanket, and now that's the place she chooses to sleep. It's up high, which she likes, has an extra blanket, it's warm, and it's in a sunny window. She wouldn't have gotten up there, in the winter at least, on a cold file cabinet, but now that I've altered the space to make it more cat-friendly, she spends a lot of time up there. So we just have to kind of think of how we can create something for our cats that is already there that we didn't think might be a cat-friendly thing. And you could do the same thing with a bookcase. But you say cats like things up high. So um, I was going to ask you whether we should put the uh, the more fragile ornaments uh, to the top of the tree as a, a safe solution uh, or, or just, just best to go with unbreakable ornaments. <laughs> well, I personally would go with the unbreakable ones. <laughs> but the older the cats are, Many cats that are older will not try to jump on the tree and get the ornaments. But there are some cats who stay very playful, and they like certain things. They like, I have two cats now, they like different toys. And they play with different toys in different ways. So Do they have that, different personalities? 
They definitely do. They're sisters. Yeah. And they have different personalities. They they really do. One of them is um, very calm, but is more afraid of things. The other one is more is is pretty bold, and she'll bolt out the door, but um, she can get agitated a little more easily. And they're different. I just got um, one of those vacuum cleaners that are self. You know, they they do their thing around the house. Okay. Uh, when I first the, the robot, on, both, you mean those robot cleaners? Yeah. When I first turned it on, they both got on chairs under <laughs> tables and um, watched it. And the one that's that's uh, the more easygoing but shy one, she still stays up high when it's out. The other one stalks it. She stalks it. She goes around <laughs> behind it, and when it turns around and goes the other way, she runs off. Then she comes back, and it's her entertainment. She does not look upset. She follows that thing around for quite a while. It's like your exercise. So if you know your cat's personality, you may be able to find things for them that are intriguing, more intriguing than the tree. Let's put it that way. My guests are two of the uh, the three authors of a book called Decoding Your Cat. The ultimate experts explain common cat behaviors and reveal how to prevent or change unwanted ones. So it is published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. This is Leonard Lopate at Large at WBAI 99.5 FM in New York and streaming live at WBAI.org. If you would like to speak to Drs. Horowitz and Siracusa, uh, we are invited to give us a call. Uh, the number is 212-209-2877. I'm sure many of you have questions about uh, how to deal with the holiday season in this odd time, this pandemic, uh, with pets. Uh, I, I, I don't have cats actually, but I have dogs, and uh, they, uh, <laughs> they're sometimes a bit confused by some of the things that happen. But chocolate is bad for dogs. Are there any Hollywood uh, holiday foods that are dangerous for cats? Well. As you were speaking, I wanted to point out that there are certain plants that are poisonous to cats. Uh, I was going to ask. Very attractive to, to chew on plants, and so um, they can't eat lilies of any kind. Those are poisonous, and uh, they like to chew on philodendron, which can be a mouth irritant. So there are a lot of plants that um, can be dangerous for cats. As far as food, well, what about poinsettias? What about poinsettias? Like, Holly mistletoe, pine. I I have this thing in my head that poinsettias and holly are not uh, safe. They're, they're, but you know uh, what? I'm not sitting at my desk to look that up, and I didn't think to look that up before we talked. Carlo, do you know? Uh, no, I don't know specifically, but I but but in general, I'm I'm very conservative from from this point of view. Even if they are not uh, not toxic, like I. Uh, I tend to discourage people from giving extra food uh, to their pet or any other thing that uh, that might that the cat might potentially find as 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 food edible, like to just uh, uh, take it away or protect the cat from eating it, because even if it's not toxic, sometimes uh, uh, cats are very uh, a creature a creature of habit in terms of food, and uh, and uh, they can have uh, GI issues, diarrhea, so. Uh, anyway, anything that the cat might find, like something edible, it might be um, 
uh, not dangerous, but but uh, let let's say not helpful from from uh, uh, from some standpoint, either just causing diarrhea or being real toxic. Hmm. No, the suddenly there. Are... Go ahead. They love ribbon. They're attracted hmm. to ribbon, and ribbon is very dangerous should they eat that. So when you're unwrapping your presents, I don't put ribbon on my presents um, because of the cats try to you know eat it. And uh, that can cause a serious blockage in the intestinal tract. If you do use ribbon on your presents, make sure that you've got a closed container nearby where you can put them in there and discard them before the cats can get to them. That is, they are so attracted to the bright and shiny ribbons. You got to be careful about that. And suddenly there are a lot more extension cords all around the house. Yeah, um, right. Cats sometimes chew cords. Um, uh, sure. Either the cords of the lights or the extension cords for other things. Uh, again, how do you deal with those things? You just cover them up. Well, you can cover them up. Yeah. Uh, they they do make uh, foam and plastic piping that you can put your cords inside, mm -hmm. and that'll keep them from doing that. You can tape them to the floor, things like that. Most adult cats don't chew electrical cords. But that doesn't mean all don't. So, uh, you know, you've got to know your cat and watch them. If they have a propensity to chew cords and you've got them all hidden, then if you're going to have extra cords out and about, then uh, the best thing I ever saw was something on, uh, on the Internet that they have somebody had this, like, three-sided screened-in thing that they put around their Christmas tree. <laughs> and it's, like, six feet tall, so their cats can't get to it. Sometimes uh, maybe you have to do that, yeah. depending oh. on your cat. Or, or you can get a storage box and, and put two holes in the storage box and put all the cable, all the wires and cables inside uh. and just have the plugs sticking outside. And it's uh, you can make a nice box like to put. Uh, uh, maybe you can even disguise it as a as a gift box and uh, and uh, put it close to the tree. However. I'll say that the chewing, playing with cords and getting caught, for example, unintentionally uh, doing a play, a session play behavior, this is um, normal behavior. This is some cats can do it. However, if a cat is chewing on the cord and eating and ingesting it, uh, this is not necessarily a uh, normal behavior. It can happen, but it, I, I, I would still talk to the vet if your cat has this habit to chew and ingest cords or other dangerous stuff. Uh, yeah, while, while playing, yes, definitely. Biting while playing, that's definitely possible. Now, a listener looked up the uh, the plants that cats can't eat, and holly and mistletoe are definitely poisonous for cats. Poinsettia will make a cat vomit, but it's not as dangerous as the other two. So That's what um, I thought. <laughs> Meanwhile, I guess the answer is keep them away from all of them. No, or don't bring them in your house. Don't you know? There's some plants uh, you shouldn't have in your house uh, if you have pets. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry. We have talked in the past yeah, about. I, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I, I was saying uh, one important principle to keep in mind is that uh, living with a pet, whether it's a cat or a dog, 
it might come with some uh, adjustments that we need to make. Like, mm -hmm. not necessarily it's uh, it's possible to do everything we want or to get in our home, uh, like all the things that we usually have, right? There might not always be the right solution to keep our cat safe while we keep the plant or the object uh, or the, I don't know, crystals, ornaments that we always loved. Uh, that is, having a cat, having a pet in general might come with some, uh, 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 there's a cost, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and we don't have necessarily have to think that uh, there is all, call the behaviorist, it will have an, uh, uh, a solution for you. <laughs> it will make it work. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. Now, we've talked uh, in the past about how many, uh, many cat behaviors are misinterpreted by people. Uh, is is that a, a problem for people like me? Because um, when my dog rolls over and it shows its belly, it's telling me it wants to be touched and rubbed. And when it wags its tail and uh, and licks me, uh, it's showing pleasure and inviting interaction. Uh, is that untrue for cats? Some a lot of cats will roll on their side or roll on their uh, back when when they see people they like. They may or may not want their belly scratched. Most cats are not really looking for that. That they're looking for is a, is it's an invite inviting signal to maybe just pet them on their side or scratch their head. Every cat's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And actually, not all dogs that roll over want their belly scratched either. You have to kind of look at their face and their body. That their whole body's relaxed and. Again, my two cats, one of them likes to roll on her side and have me rub her chest between her front paws. Yeah. That she likes, but not, not her tummy. So you have, to learn, you have to learn what each of them likes. And cats in general, wagging tail, a tail that's switching back and forth is an excited cat, is not a cat that is um, showing pleasure. It's not always displeasure, but it's, it is a, a sign that the cat is emotionally aroused by what they might be seeing and trying to decide what to do about it. And what happens when a cat's hair is standing on end? Uh, is that a Ooh. clue for an owner? <laughs> That's a cat that, that uh, I, I describe it as, look at me, look at all my weapons. I, I'm puffed up. I look bigger. I'm more dangerous. <laughs> That's a cat that's really scared and defensive, saying, you know, don't come any closer. I could erupt at any moment. I might explode. Uh, and I'm joking in a way, but that's the cat's way of telling you, wow, you really, really have gotten me emotionally aroused, and I'm not sure I can handle this situation. So, no, so how should we respond? Up. So how should we back respond? Up. Just back off? Yeah, I would back off. Uh, hopefully that that'll be enough to calm the cat down. Uh, if it isn't enough to calm the cat down, Really, the safest thing to do is if there's a, a blanket nearby, just to drop a blanket or a towel over the cat. They'll be able to get themselves out. What they really want is a form of escape. And I, I told you before that sometimes they just don't want you to see them. So yeah. they go behind things or under things. But if the cat's all puffed up like that, it's don't yell, don't wave your arms around, just back out of the room and... Try to figure out what it is that got them upset and see if you can't get things to calm down. 
I'm sure our listeners have lots of questions along these lines. And again, I'll give out that phone number, 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. In in terms of training a cat, how do you figure out what behaviors to target, yours or or your pets? I love the opinion. uh, Carlo? Go on. Go on, Carlo. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, a training cat is definitely possible, and uh, um, uh, training is more uh, is a tool to improve communication rather than uh, a tool to have the cat do what we want necessarily, right? So it's not it's not we definitely want to modify the cat behavior, but it's uh, it, it's it's mostly to make the cats understand. Uh, uh, what uh, what at that time uh, it would be the best option, like the well, for example, the, Car- Carla, my dog knows the yeah. my dog knows the word no. Does a cat know the word no? Sure, it depends what yeah, you care cats, with. Cats can definitely uh, cats can definitely uh, uh, understand the the meaning of no. Also, because no sometimes it comes uh, uh, with a tone of voice that is definitely uh-huh. not very promising. Uh, however, um, I, I think uh, people should be cautious with using no. Think to that cat that we were saying before, the, the one that stays with, with a pile erection, right, with the hair raised on the back. That cat, is, it might be the cat that if you say no, he might actually uh, be more aggressive towards you because they can become very frustrated. So sometimes, rather than say no, it's better just say why don't you, why don't you do this? And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, if we have thought thought in advance that doing the alternative behavior it comes with a positive outcome, not only we will redirect the cat's behavior towards something that is legal, quote unquote, uh, uh, but also we will change uh, the mood state of the of this this cat from a negative one to a positive one. Oh, okay, I'm going to get this. Uh, great, uh, uh, wonderful treat that I only get when I do this thing. So it's it's really a way for us to explain mm-hmm. to the cat what is the best option, the best thing to do at at, at that point. Uh, most cats they 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 hand they can handle and know. We are we are we are emotional animals too. So it's uh, it's impossible to think that people will not sometimes get upset and say no. And most cats they really. They just go away or stop what they what they are doing. Uh, but with some cats, I will be uh, very careful because they they tend to be frustrated and they can be aggressive. So uh, in general, positive reinforcement, explaining what to do and reward the right behavior, it's always the the, the first option. What are your thoughts about? Go ahead. It's always so much better to teach what you want than to reprimand what you don't. Because remember, mm. generally you're talking about a specific behavior that you want the cat to perform or a specific behavior you don't want them to do. And it would be best, let's say, for example, getting up on the counters. The best thing you can do is teach the cat the meaning of get down. And how mm-hmm. do you teach that? Well, if there's a treat that they like and they're on the counter that you pick them up and say, get down, and then hand them a sweet little treat or throw it Uh. on the floor and get down. Get down means nothing to the cat unless it's paired with the actual action of getting Mm -hmm. off something. 
And sometimes it's actually easier to teach get down by teaching get up. So teach them to get up on a chair and pat it and say, come on up, give them a tiny mm-hmm. little treat, and then say, get down, put the treat on the floor, come on up, get down. And now the cat understands the meaning of those words. And when you ask them to do it, they hopefully are going to get down because they understand what you're talking about and you won't have to get so angry because they're on the counter yet again. But if you can say, get down, and they know what it means, they'll get down. What are your thoughts about holiday costumes for cats? We had a couple uh, pictured in our promotion for this segment. Can you acclimate your cat to being dressed up, or should you? I take my cat, uh, one of them particularly, outside with a harness, and that's a dress-up, and she knows that it means something okay, and she's all right with it. Some cats don't mind being dressed up, and others don't like it. You were going to add to that, Carla? Uh, I have a, I have a more uh, um, sort of a one zero more cut off opinion. I I don't think for me, uh, but this is my personal take. Like I agree that some cats can get used to, but I it's it's not a behavior that I encourage. Uh, cats can can learn to wear harnesses, as uh, Debbie correctly said, uh, or, or sometimes there are even. Um, I'm sure many people in the audience have heard about the jackets, the calming jackets that you can put on animals. So this is different. This will be for a specific, uh, for a functional reason, right? We we, we use stuff because we need it at at that time. But the um, uh, costume thing is different. Like I think that it can be... Even if even if animals can tolerate it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it, uh, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's something they enjoy, yeah. right? Right. Uh, so, it's more for us yeah, than for I, them. I have a little bit more. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They, uh, uh, most animals they tend to be very docile. This is why they are domesticated animals. That is, they would take a lot of stuff. And cats, contrary to what people think. Because they are small animals and they are prey in nature, they actually tend to have what we call a very passive coping strategy. That is, they they just put up with stuff, uh, and they are solitary animals. They are they are not big complainers because they they uh, when they were living in nature, uh, they didn't have people or, or uh, people other individuals to complain to, right? While dogs were social animals, so, so they are bigger complainers. Because there is someone that least of the group that listen to them, so cats might just take stuff, but it doesn't mean that um, that is what makes them feel well. So I, I I'll be more cautious. Then if you want to put just a hat, like a little hat on on the head of your cat, that's mm-hmm. different. But if you have to dress your animal, I I'll be mm. I usually try to discourage this behavior. But yeah. I know that this is my personal position. The other thing that concerns me is that. They're so mobile and that um, they jump up on things. And when they're wearing something that they could get hung up and stuck. And so the cat is concerned when you have them dressed in a costume and takes off. They have so many opportunities for that to catch on a chair or a couch. And it might not come apart and it wouldn't be safe. Uh, Again, they might tolerate it for a little while, but to take a quick picture, People are going to do it, and most cats will tolerate it. But um, I think that you have to be careful that you're putting on a garment that's going to be safe for your pet, whether it's a dog or a cat, actually, uh, because they 
they move around under places that mm. we don't think about, and they could get hung up, and that could hurt them. We have to realize that. And they I want to sneak. A, I want to sneak a call in here. Can I sneak sure. a call in? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to go to a break now, but uh, I'd like to take this call. Our number here is two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. Hi, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes. Hello. Go ahead. Uh, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah, my name is Joe Long Island. Um, I had a question about. I had a, had two tabby male cats, orange tabby cats, and from from kits, they were uh, friends. Uh, had um, uh, a, a feral cat that had kittens, and they were brothers. So there was a certain age of their youth. They weren't maybe quite full grown, but they were pretty much uh, not just just small, but they were almost full grown where they would chase a, like a cat toy and bring it back like a dog, both of them. And I've never seen that before. Um, but that phase went away. I was wondering if it was, you know, it could have been my fault that I did not um, keep doing that and they just grew out of it. But is that something that you could keep? Absolutely. Them, uh, yeah. You could keep them doing that, in other words. Or, I've had, I have a cat now that she retrieves. Uh, they're actually oh, wow. like, yeah, it, was, I, it probably was my fault that I just didn't keep it up well, and then it, I just it, stopped doing it. Right. You know? Right. Right, right. And, and yeah, they're no. older. They're, they're older. So they're not as active. But, yeah, a lot of cats will retrieve throughout their whole life. They love it. Wow, wow. Okay, great. Thanks, Thanks for your much. call. Thank you. Yeah. This is, this is Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. Birds go passing by. He'd love to fly out the window. Go where the wind goes. Okay, uh, so before we get back to my conversation with uh, Deborah F. Horowitz and Carla Siracusa, uh, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to support the programming we bring you on Leonard Lopate at Large by giving us a call at 516 620 3602 right now or by going to give to WBAI.org on the web. Becoming a sustaining member of the station, what we call a BAI buddy, is a great way to support the station without having to lay out a lot of money at any one time. And we have a special offer for anyone who becomes a BAI buddy during today's show in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large. We would be happy to send you a copy of my guest's book, Decoding Your Cat, The Ultimate Experts Explain Common Cat Behaviors and Reveal how to prevent or change unwanted ones. It's our way of saying thanks. And and again, all you need to do is to call 516-620-3602 or visit give2wbai.org online. Sign up to become a BAI buddy at the tax-deductible monthly amount of $10, $15, $20, whatever you're comfortable with to be taken out of your credit card, your debit card, whatever is easiest for you. And and that's it. We will take care of the rest. You don't even need to mention the book to the person at the WBAI call center. My staff will make sure that you get it if you become a BAI buddy in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large during today's show. BAI buddies are one great way to contribute because 
they provide WBAI with a steady source of support so that we can plan for the future. But however you choose to donate, the important thing is that you do your part to keep this show and this legendary radio station alive. It's the only station on New York Radio that's completely listener-sponsored. We have no corporate underwriting or funding grants. We don't take ads of any kind. If you agree that independent media are more important now than ever, we need you to help us keep it going. So one last time, the number to call is 516-620-3602 or go to give2wbai.org online and please be sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large and a big thanks to all of you from all of us here at WBAI. And my guests on today's show, we are taking your calls on the air as well, Deborah F. Horowitz and Carla Siracusa, two of the three authors uh, along with Megan E. Heron, they're all doctors, although um, I'm not so sure whether uh, the Wall Street Journal would uh, be willing to call him that. Well, uh, the book is called <laughs> <laughs> Decoding Your Cat, The Ultimate Experts Explain Common Cat Behaviors and Reveal How to Prevent or Change Unwanted Ones. It's published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Um, we've uh, talked in the past about feral cats and uh i we see them in our neighborhood and uh, you want to help them especially during the holidays um uh, where should we leave food for them and and then another question a follow-up question is there a way to tell whether a feral cat can be uh comfortably domesticated um first before i forget uh, Dr. Heron, myself, and Dr. Syracuse, we're the editors of the book. Every yeah. chapter has been written by members of American College of Veterinary Behaviorists, uh, and we don't want to uh, let them unsung because they really make the book great. We just uh, kind of herded them up and pointed uh, them in the right direction. Uh, okay. Uh, but, um, I, I, I was just joking. To... But okay. Um, I, well, I, in case any of them are listening, I want to know that we, we respect them. And, and uh, well, did I it's, a, it's a fabulous that? book. So, so what about feral cats? Um, should we be leaving food out for them, especially at this time of year? And, uh, and if you decide to take one in, how can you spot whether that feral cat uh, will be comfortably domesticated? A truly feral cat... I um, may not become comfortably domesticated. And when I say truly feral, it's, it's one that all their parentage is feral as well. Mm-hmm. So they're not used to people. But there are some feral living cats who've been around people quite a bit. And they will stand there while you go to feed them. There are some that occasionally let you touch them. Uh, and it, it varies along the spectrum of how they're going to adjust to people being present. In this cold weather, if you live somewhere where it is cold, it would be nice if you could put out a box with an opening for them that's in an area protected from the wind to keep them warm with maybe some straw inside. Putting out their food someplace where it, again, is protected from the wind or whatever, but keep in mind it's going to be eaten by other animals that are nearby. There are many feral cats, though, who will go inside a garage or a shed if you provide them with 
an opening to get in and out and allow themselves to be around people. And it just depends on their experiences. Some feral cats come inside and say to themselves, wow, what have I been missing all this time? And they become very friendly. And others like their solitary, uh, self-sufficient life. We are inviting calls. Go ahead, Carlo. Yeah, if I can add one thing, also depend on uh, uh, depending on the area where you live, uh, um, there might be colonies actually of feral cats that someone is taking care of. So I would also suggest to contact uh, the local shelter or if you're aware of any rescue organization that they might give you information if actually those cats are already part of a colony that someone is taking care of, mm-hmm. and they uh, they are actually supervised. Uh, um, they might be uh, spayed or neutered. So uh, while, while a, a completely for a cat that nobody's taking care of, yeah, it might definitely be in need of more help, and it might be food, but it might also be, as Debbie correctly said, a, a warmer place to uh, to stay. So uh, there might be sort of local policies or neighbor policies, um, and and sometimes we think that nobody had fed their cat, but Actually, I was living before when I was a resident. I was living in West Philadelphia, and there were some. Uh, they were not feral, but they were free-roaming cats, and they actually everybody was feeding them because I think that everybody <laughs> thought that nobody's feeding this poor cat, but you could you could actually see that everybody was feeding them. So yeah, being aware of the uh, cultural rules of your of your area is always good. We are taking calls at 212-209-2877. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Hi. Uh, Peter calling from Tampa. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, that, that cats, I I don't have cats. My mother can't stand cats. But I did oh, I'm sorry uh, to call hear that. her. Well, I did call her because I liked what you said about, like, outgrowing behaviors. And, and I'm so glad... Uh, even usually before you get to the Oval Office, you outgrow behaviors. But relevantly speaking, I asked my mother about, because she refers to me, and she can from when I was two years old, that I they had a Christmas tree, and I would keep reaching for it. I would pull it down. And I said, how did you get me to stop pulling it down? My mother said, she told my brother, who was one year older than me, that if I pull it, if I pull down the tree again... Santa's not coming. Didn't mean anything to me, but my brother kept an eye on me. He said, Peter, Santa! <laughs> you know? So, you know, so that's the idea of, like, can you treat, can you, can an older cat, it, it may not be relevant to this, but it was the idea of my brother was old enough to say, Peter, Santa won't come, stop! So he kept an eye on me. Oh, I don't know well. if that's relevant, but it's sounds- like to have an older cat keep the younger cat in line. Thank you for your mm, call. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take another call, okay? BAI, you're on the air. Hi, thanks. Hi. Hey, I, I have a friend who has a lot of cats, um, and most of them are pretty good, but this one is a little elderly, and it's a little fresh. But if you get touched by it, if it breaks your skin with that claw, you will be in the hospital instantly. Mm-hmm. Because of that disease, I mean, it has damaged people. I mean, it put like three people in the hospital. It uh, took one of the other cats that scratched, it got totally deformed. And, you know, you know, is that like a, it looks like a tortellini? <laughs> 
So, uh, with that said, I mean, I know there's a lot of things in these kitty boxes that are really dangerous. What is that thing about, you know, when I get off the air, you can answer, what is it with the poisonous claws that they have? And, I mean, it's septic to a point where it's, you know, can kill you, very easily kill you. Is that typical? The other thing I wanted, and the other thing, I heard it is, but the other thing I wanted to, uh, to bring up before I go, and then you can, I'll take the answers off the phone, is the feral cat population, not only is it being supported by these old ladies and people that are feeding it, but it just devastates all the good wildlife out there like birds, easy picking, stuff like that. What do they do for the rat population? Because I, I hear that the, the rats in New York can be so scary that even the cats won't go after them. So, I mean, is feral cats just a nuisance, and shouldn't they be exterminated for the damage they do without mm-hmm. eating the food or just killing for fun? Who needs that? Who needs to see a cat out in the wild to kill something for fun? I mean, do we really need to get rid of wildlife because somebody likes a cat over all the other birds okay. that kills? Okay, let's and- let our guest answer, okay? Thank you for your call. He, he asked, I guess, three questions. Okay, I'll address yeah, the feral I- cat one. Um, there are uh, there are feral cat colonies, but many municipalities are doing something called trap, neuter, and release. And they trap the cats, and they spay or neuter them, and then they notch their left ear. It's a little. They take a little bit of skin out of there, and that has helped reduce the feral cat population. So if anybody listening is feeding a group of cats. They first should find out, are these own cats? Do they have owners that could take care of them? Number two, are they being neutered and then re-released? If they're neutered, then we are going to diminish those feral cat populations, which I think everybody would like to do. But the listener was concerned about them killing birds. They'll still kill birds, won't they, whether they're neutered or not? They can, but what you're going to do is you're going to... Go on, Carlos. Yeah, go, Debbie, finish. I, um, one of the goals is to diminish the population. If you don't neuter them, then you're mm. going to have so many cats, which are not necessarily being fed enough by what they're being provisioned for. They need to kill wildlife, so that's number one. Number two, the studies that have looked at how many of these birds and small animals are killed by cats are have been called into question um, th- that they do they actually you know kill that many birds but if the goal is for them not to do that then the goal should be to eliminate feral cats and be trapped and neuter them and then re-release them then you're going to have fewer of them because their lifespan is very short living outside they get yeah. hit by cars they get attacked by other animals like coyotes or dogs or whatever and um, that is one way to diminish that, is to, is to decrease the population. And I have no answer about whether they take on rats in New York City. Yeah, well, right now, <laughs> there seems to be a, a, uh, an epidemic of, of rats, but that may be because of other things, because uh, the pandemic has changed the way we are living our lives. I guess uh, many shops are not bringing their cats in. But uh, I'm going to, I want to ask about something. You want to add something, Carlo, before we go to another question on my, uh, from my end? Yeah, I, I, I want to add that, um, yes, it's true. Cats outside can kill a lot of, uh, especially small birds or or small mammals. However, um, 
they, uh, there are studies showing that they usually don't make an impact on the local wildlife. That is, cats are not responsible for uh, uh, the disappearance of a species from a, from a specific environment unless they are not in a closed environment. So, for example, if you live in a tiny island uh, where there are uh, species of birds that are only in that island, then yes, definitely cats can make uh, an influence. But in a city or in the suburbs of the city, this is much, much more difficult. These cats are, will probably not modify uh, the, the variety of species that you will find uh, um, in that area. That said, okay. I, uh, as they say, the lifespan is short, so they might not have a good quality of life. So in general, it might not be a good idea. Let's get back to house cats, and we have very little time. We have another caller, but I wanted to ask your thoughts about uh, pheromone diffusers like uh, Feliway uh, that are to make cats feel more relaxed. Is that a good option for high-stress times like the holidays? Uh, yes, it is a good option, actually. Um, uh, pheromones that you find in the market, they are uh, synthetic, like a, a lab-made uh, um, form of something that is actually natural. And the cats, they uh, deposit, well, depend on the type of pheromone, but uh, uh, the one that is most common is the one that they deposit with the face, uh, which is called facial pheromone. And actually, when you see the cat rubbing, this is what uh, uh, sometimes uh, this is what he's doing is, is, is depositing this pheromone that says uh, leaves sort of a, a signature uh, on that piece of furniture in the environment, saying this environment is well controlled. Like I feel uh, it's a, it's a place where I can be safe and comfortable in. Uh, now, and, uh, um, yeah, this is what you were actually mentioning at the beginning, yeah. and this is what the pheromone does. Uh, the feeling way that you were mentioning, it increased the uh, safety feeling uh, in control feeling in a specific environment. So it might be absolutely use useful put it in the uh, core area, in the safe area that, that we were discussing before. Just plug in a plug a diffuser there. Now we have very little time left, but I wanted to sneak another call in. Caller, can you make it really brief, Hello. unfortunately? Hello? Hi. Yes, hi. Hi, Leonard. Um, I, we have a, it's a house cat. We have a house cat, um, 23 years old, and the cat um, has appeared to um, – the cat is blind now, um, where he can barely see. Uh, he hears very well. Um, uh, anything that, you, you know, that would help his situation? He seems to know where everything is, you know, but um, – I don't think he sees more than, um, you know, a foot in front of him, you know, a foot in front of himself. Okay. Can, can you give a very brief answer? Because I'm pretty much out of time. Uh, I think the most yes. important uh, thing I, to do is, is to get your vet to the veterinarian because there are uh, some diseases that cats have that make them lose their vision, like hypertension. And um, he, he may be suffering from a disease that has caused him to go blind. And if that's the case, that should be treated. I'm sure Carlo has some other words to say. But he's well. also very old. 
this is exactly what I was going to, I was going to say, Debbie, because I had the, the exact same experience. My older cat, at some point, uh, I noted that he was starting to lose vision, and he had a problem of hypertension and uh, retinal detachment. So he was uh, right. uh, losing vision. But uh, uh, And uh, they also get disoriented because of this, not just for the loss of vision, but also for the increased pressure. So definitely go to the vet, try to find why the cat is losing the vision. If it's uh, if it's a natural like vision loss related to getting older, it might be easier for the cat to to cope with to get used to. But if there is a disease underlying, you should treat the disease. And we pretty much run out of time, unfortunately. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun and uh, eye opening. Uh, my great thanks to my guest, Drs. Deborah F. Horowitz and Carlo Siracusa, who along with uh, Megan E. Heron uh, are responsible for a, a book from uh, uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt called Decoding Your Cat. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. We love Thank you and you. Have a great holiday and we'll see you again late, early next year, okay? Hope so. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy. <laughs> Bye. Well, that brings us to the end Bye. of today's show. And special thanks to segment producer Fran Higgins, who prepared today's interview. If you're new to our program and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as an iTunes podcast, and you can find links to all of our past shows on our website, letterthelopatedlarge.com. If you'd like to comment on any of our shows or just want to say hello, you can reach me at my email address, letterthelopate at WBAI.org. But before I sign off, I, I, I want to ask you for your support for this station. If you care about Leonard Lopate at Large and all of the great programs on WBAI, we need your help to keep 100% listener-sponsored radio alive in the tri-state area. So please step up right now and make a contribution at whatever level you're comfortable by uh, calling 516-620-3602 or by going to give to WBAI.org online. And as I mentioned at the half, if you become a BAI buddy during today's show by making a monthly contribution of $10 or more in the name of Leonard Lopate at large, we would be delighted to send you a copy of the book we've been discussing, uh, Decoding Your Cat, The Ultimate Experts Explain Common Cat Behaviors and Reveal How to, to Prevent or Change Unwanted Ones by Veterinary experts Dr. Megan E. Heron, Deborah F. Horowitz, and Carlos Siracusa. But please be sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large. And from all of us to all of you, thanks. Uh, we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow when our favorite language experts uh, and regular contributors to the show, Ross and Catherine Petrus, will join us to talk about holiday words and whatever else we can get to. We'll see you then.